0: this is creek with at the table podcast here at at the table podcast our goal is to break down biblical topics make scripture easy to understand and to glorify god in his word we pray this content challenges edifies and blesses you so without further ado let's check out what's at the table
1: Everybody, welcome to another episode of At the Table Podcast. I am here as always with my two co hosts, John and Creek. How's it going, guys? Not wonderful this time, huh? Well, I'm good. Guess we've fallen in, in his rating. Well, I was going to compliment you, but I received flack last time, so I just won't do that anymore. That's because well, it's
0: cause we thought you were being sarcastic in our defense because you've di- trained us.
2: I didn't think you were being sarcastic. I just found it funny
1: that it was so much of a struggle. It was
0: like <laughs> wonderful.
1: wonderful. I'm Maybe just a genuine person it. and I have trouble faking and lying. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's really good.
0: So, what's at the table It's going to come in
1: handy with the episode that's happening today.
0: No, really. How was your week, Trey?
1: Uh, long. And, and it's been pretty, like, labor-intensive, very warm. Creek gave me a disease. I've been coughing and had a head cold all week. If I sound nasally, guys, I apologize.
0: He is nasally. I have
1: done everything I can to remedy myself. and Who uh, should the blame be laid at?
0: Creek. Well, <laughs> let me tell you a quick story. I take Dayquil honey. Like, it's the honey kind. It's just a different little deal they do, and I like it. But the NyQuil and the DayQuil look the exact same. So last Sunday, dude, I was feeling it bad, bro. Mm. I go to take the DayQuil in the morning, and it wasn't the DayQuil. It was the NyQuil. Wait, so your
2: NyQuil
1: isn't purple? No. No,
0: it's the honey, so they both taste and look the exact same. Son of a gun. The bottle doesn't look the same. One of them is
1: round, and the other one's triangular.
0: Okay, that's not true. It is for The one I bought... they look the exact same. It's just the wrapping is different. You so, both. really, hypothetically, the company could have messed up and put the wrong wrapping, and we'd never know. But I'm just saying,
2: like... So like both are probably going to get sued for copyright stuff so here? Nah, totally no, no, no product. It wor-
0: the product works. We endorse NyQuil. That's not what well, I'm saying. I, I mean, I don't know about that. Why, why are
2: you doing the Trump
1: thing with
0: your I hands, did. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love it's NyQuil.
2: It's the best.
1: Big D. We oh, love
2: it. I like NyQuil. NyQuil works. So I'm not talking NyQuil's bad about NyQuil. NyQuil
1: is the only medicine. I have I have been using it a lot. I, I would have killed for like a hotty toddy two days ago. My throat was so sore. A, a hotty hurt. toddy? You mean A hot toddy?
0: That's, I've it, heard They're both. both the
1: same. You've heard hotty toddy? Yeah. It's not a new thing, though. I'll be done. Let's just not consider you an e- expert in alcoholic remedies. Yeah, I'm okay with that should we consider
2: you the expert
1: well yeah. probably more so than you <laughs> i'm just saying well, apparently like,
0: your remedy didn't work because well i didn't do it i didn't oh, use the okay. remedy okay. so okay well that's good it's officially take, take established
2: on air that you you don't you have not uh participated in any alcoholic beverages lately hey, Um amen creek Cree technically has because they, yeah nyquil i
1: haven't money. taken any nyquil so there you go. Only Dayquil for you this guy. You will get in trouble if you, you take have a too problem much with Dayquil.
0: <laughs> Dayquil or Nyquil, either one. Oh, I was going to say either one.
1: I, I did take Dayquil on Sunday, and or no, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. I was feeling rough. I had the elders come and pray for me. Like I was feeling rough, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm going to take some. I took a big old shot, empty stomach. You know, hadn't hadn't eaten, mm-hmm. and it made me feel swimmy.
2: Poor choice. A Little weird. Well, let me let me ask you this. Do you still, if you go to the self-checkout, have somebody come up and ask you if you're 18 years or older yes. it
0: flags you? Yes, they card you. Yes. They card you. Well, they don't they, do it to me anymore. Oh.
1: You see, mm. so I go to the
0: self-checkout,
1: and there's certain items that I buy for work that always get flagged, and I love to play this little game with them. I'll go buy spray paint or, I don't know, starter fluid. They'll come up to me, and they'll, they'll go to do the deal, and I always ask them, like, so I have to be 18 to huff starter fluid? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> the look that I get, especially when I'm with my wife. Oh, it yeah. It is priceless. Dude.
0: Wives get kind of upset over that. <laughs> Holy moly.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what's sad, though? I have yet to have an employee not sell me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I doubt. Yeah. They, they know you're
2: just. They can tell that you're not. you're not being genuine. Yeah. There was a day.
0: All right. Anyway, today, what is at the table? Yeah. Trey,
2: the only only guy that we're gonna ask about work. Everybody else just kind of. Well, we know what you do.
0: Well, he <laughs> took up all the banter time with his.
1: Story. Oh, I see.
0: Okay. I'll ask you after. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel important no more.
1: Okay, guys. I think we're avoiding the elephant in the room, as it was. <laughs> What are you talking about? You're the elephant. What right are you here. talking about? <laughs> Remember that meme? I know this is back in the banter, but that meme that said women to women in the church. And it's like, I'm so ugly. Oh, no, you're not. You're beautiful. And then from guy to guy, it was like, the only thing good about you is God. And also, you're fat. And he said, amen. Amen. <laughs> Dude, there is this cliff that circulated a while
2: back. It was like a reel, I think. A reel or a TikTok and. Um, for any of the halo guys, it was one of the big covenant dudes. I can't remember what they're called. Not the little grunts, but one of the big guys. And he was walking around in this room, giving a speech to the rest of them. And he's like, those that break this oath are heretics. We will kill them till our dying breath. And the, the caption was like boys and youth group. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. They are worthy of neither pity nor mercy. Those that break the soul are heretics. <laughs> it was like,
1: yeah, doc. <laughs> That's crazy.
2: We're not gonna kill anybody till they're dying breath. That was
1: that was a tangent that if without the proper context would seem kinda hairy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So guys, what's at the table today is we're gonna have a discussion. Um hopefully that is a spirit led and a, a genuine discussion. Um Topical episode. We, oh, yeah, it's, this we've talked about doing topical episodes about things in culture, and and we're going to give our first stab at one today. And uh, so, our topic today is going to be women's roles in ministry. Hmm. Do not womp, stone us. Womp, 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 that would
2: have been a perfect for yeah. You, me, and you need to trade chairs. I think.
0: Yeah. It's harder than you think. I don't know. I did it pretty good. Didn't I don't I? have that noise. Yeah, you do anyway yeah, okay. don't don't, do it, <laughs> don't
1: actually, do it now actually in the middle of the episode just press buttons. I'll to practice. figure it out yeah. yeah so women in ministry don't stone us um i think that at the end of it all at the end of this
0: conversation you're going to find our our views to be pretty i think pretty fair i think i think Preferably we probably biblical. all I don't want to say we're in an echo chamber because we're not, but we we probably do mostly agree on this issue.
1: I don't think that we have to. Uh, so sure, like, uh, I mean, if we don't right. agree, then
0: right, that's something. That that's that's a good point. Is like, you know, we can actually disagree and still be brothers and friends, and that's okay.
2: Well, that's the first point actually that I disagree with you on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm so like, oh, dude, really? <laughs> what a clown.
2: I'm just, I'm sorry. Okay,
1: I'm ready. So, getting down <laughs> to it, I mean, <laughs> really, th- there's three views. There's three views within the the predominant views within the church, and those are going to come down to this: secular feminism. So, this is the idea that,
2: yeah, I was going to say, take it, take a second to define that. Maybe we should discuss it point by point.
1: Okay, secular feminism, and maybe that's a little bit disingenuous because most people. Who would probably get lumped into that category by the other two categories, aren't actually feminists. They're just like an extreme, I guess, end of the complementarianism. And we'll get into complementarianism mm-hmm. in a minute. Mm-hmm. But secular feminism would be the idea is that women, a woman can fulfill, not just can fulfill, but should fulfill every church, every role sure. in the church that a, a man can. That, that women are not just equal, in fact, but are better than men. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's not a common yeah. view, but there there are some within like some
0: of the far reaching. I think yeah. we all know that I the I think it's okay to to talk about the far reaching, yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh so you're, <laughs> you're, you're it's a pretty generous you're United time. Methodist convention. Some sure some in there. A lot of these guys would probably not be considered a part of the church as a whole by right. most other people. Right. I was I
2: was gonna say, I think there, uh shout out to our brother Doctor Steve Rankin. Um He's a Methodist pastor in town. Awesome brother in the Lord. He represents a side of the aisle in the Methodist Church called the traditionalist. And on at least on views of the Alphabet community, they side with Scripture, right? They they take the traditional scriptural viewpoint of sexuality. Um, they don't they don't do what the other side of the aisle does. That's Alphabet affirming, and I don't. I'm not familiar enough with Methodist vernacular to know what that other side of the aisle is called, but it's called the UMC. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: exactly. It. Yes, United but, Methodist Church. But they're ironically,
2: you know, they're uh, the traditionalists are still sprinkled in there, so that doesn't. There lump, are a few, so that doesn't lump. I
0: I do think it's worth pointing out, like, you know, with a lot of this, these terms that some might fall under, like a lot of it can be semantics. And a lot of it, like, obviously when we speak, there are outliers to this, and that is something we need to say. Like, I will
1: say that this this view uh, is only present in Protestantism. There, that You will not find a, a female Catholic priest. You will not find a, a, a female um, Orthodox. Eastern Orthodox. It will yeah. not happen. Yeah. Uh, you're also not going to find the, the alphabet community in either one of those. Yeah. I mean, at least not openly, right, you know.
0: Just, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Dang.
1: I well, Don't mean to disparage people. I'm, I'm well, just, I'm just saying. But so that's that's the first, that's the first one uh, category would be secular feminism. I
2: think that's probably another disclaimer we should give. Like some listeners of this audience may fall under certain church traditions or attend certain churches, <laughs> and obviously we know even within our own particular denomination that all the all three of us attend. There are things theologically or doctrinally that our denominations subscribe to that we personally do not. Yes. Um and and that's going to be the case in in every church fellowship in every ecclesia it, it won't be an echo chamber. Right. Um, especially if it's worth its weight and salt. You'll have some people that are seeing things a different way and 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 that just is what it is. So if you throughout the course of this conversation if you hear your um your background or or your tradition of church brought up
1: or even your view on this know, topic
2: please know that we're not throwing you in with that batch if you do not belong in that batch we're not saying every single person that attends a united methodist church subscribes yes. to this point of view we're saying this seems to be the view that the the church leadership is subscribing to at large,
1: Yeah.
0: right? And that, right,
2: in a general sense, and that may not um, accurately describe you individually. So, just so know that
1: secular feminism, obviously, the most progressive, yeah. far leaning liberal, um, for better or worse, that's what it is. Um, the second category uh, would be complementarianism, mm. and so complementarianism is going to say that men and women are e- of equal value right but they but they've been given different roles, right, and those roles are complementary to one another mm. that that God has designed men for certain things and designed women for certain things,
0: and neither are worth more
1: right N- neither of are, are worth more value, but there are differences in levels of authority, yes and yeah. that God has created that structure um this is going to be probably I would say probably the most common view um at least in. Protestantism in evangelical circles. This is going to be the most, yeah, most um, prominent view, and actually maybe even in in some of the more liturgical, yeah, um, circles too. I would say like a hardline complementarianism. So there's levels to each of these, right? I mean, they're not all just like blanket terms. There, there. Just,
2: just for the audience' sake, define liturgical circles.
1: Uh, so. I guess more. Um, You're talking like Lutheran, yeah, et cetera. Uh, yeah, or closer to some of the more Catholic traditional or yeah. um, Presbyterian, even very early Orthodox. Protestantism. Yes. Yeah. So, um, just a disclaimer: like this is, I I would probably fall into this category, uh, somewhere in there. Um, mm. we'll, we'll talk about and we'll define that and where I, where I end up towards the end of it. But the third play, uh, the third category would be um, egalitarianism. This is the idea that men and women are completely equal, and every not just value they're equal of equal value, but they're of equal authority. And so, there's going to be levels of this too. But like the far end would say that men and women are equal of in authority in the in the house in, in the household, and they're equal authority in the church. So they would say that a woman could be a bishop, a apostle, they could be a head pastor, they could be they could fulfill any role in the church, and that in as such they can carry any amount of authority in the church. Yes. This is becoming a in modern times like a, this is becoming a very dominant view in evangelicalism. Yeah. Um obviously you're going to have your even in the SBC, right? You have churches getting kicked out of the SBC right now. That's the Southern Baptist Convention for having this view. Rick Warren's uh mega church saddleback, right? In California. Uh, they have just been disfellowshipped by the SBC over this because he ordained women pastors. Hmm. Um, you're going to have other, uh, Joyce Myers is another prominent leader uh, in this yes. in this kind of movement where she fulfills this role of head pastor and preacher. Uh, so it's becoming, I, I would say, as culture adopts feminism and moves away from patriarchy, this is becoming a, a more and more common view.
0: Yeah. Right. That's the thing is that regardless of how you feel, how we feel, this is the direction that society is moving in.
2: And I think we can acknowledge, too, like what some of these views, particularly the ones that hold these extremes, are the result it, it, it feels to escape the other polar. Yeah. Right. It's a response. Yeah, it's it's responsive. That's good. Yeah, there's, you'll have. I'm. And there's no secret, you know. Especially here in the West, the earlier parts of our history. Let's face it. There's a feminist movement for a reason. In a <laughs> in a patriarchy dominated society, yeah. men were abusive and evil and wicked and stu and horrible stewards over their over their wives. Yeah. And so f- the feminist movement was was kickback against that. Now that, of course, doesn't like we said. Umbrella. We're not endorsing everything, right? It, it doesn't umbrella every man during that time frame. I'm it, sure there was some oh, good that men, too, yes. And it doesn't umbrella every woman in that time frame that participated in the feminist movement. But it does show that a lot of these were we're saying, okay, well, we're we're not doing that anymore.
1: Specifically, and, I would say that the secular feminist view is a direct response to that. Yeah. And, it's you jacked it up, so we're going to do it better.
0: Yeah. It, and it's right. See, Yeah. Right. That's, that's right. actually, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah.
2: Which is the wrong way to do things. Of course. <laughs> oh, like if you could, if you can imagine, and I think every person on an individual <laughs> basis would struggle with this in their own life, no matter, no matter what the circumstance was like, you know, there's some of us that are privy to be North pole and some of us that are privy to be South pole just for the sake of, you know, argument, that's the metaphor, right? But, um, you know, for the the place that we want to be is the equator, right? But an attempt to get to a place called good, which is actually the equator, a lot of us instead of, and sometimes maybe even they try to set their sights there, they don't get there. You end up in the polar opposite side of the spectrum. And just because people would try to use certain parts of a worldview to endorse their abuse, even though it does not endorse their abuse, doesn't mean those aspects of that world you need to be cast
0: away because they're no good. So as believers, you know, our ultimate authority, right, is the word. It's yeah, the word of God Absolutely, every time. And I think that, you know, that's obviously going to, the word itself offend people. Jesus said that, too. But I think as believers, it's it's important to not necessarily move where the culture is moving because right. obviously, right now the culture is moving in all sorts of ways where we Ooh, we don't yeah. want it to. It's not yeah. good. And I would good. say it's pretty clear biblically that God doesn't endorse these And even, as good either.
1: and I would I would 100% agree with that. And even like broaden that statement by saying that some of the some of the viewpoints that are held by our, even our tradition are part of that. It's right. part of that shift in culture, yeah. and I'm not trying to call out anyone in particular at the at this point. I'm just saying that, like, we have to be able to just like we desire to read scripture in its context. We have to look at the movements that that we've seen in, in the church and say, like, okay, what was the context of this? What mm-hmm. drove this? And is this actually biblical?
2: And there seems to be too. I th- this isn't this isn't a a text source argument, but something that I th- I think is true culturally and it, and it prevails is that culture has a very hard time just being able to allow one thing to be complimented without interpreting that as the other one being degraded. Oh yeah, right. Like you keep in conversation. Yeah, yeah. You can you can try if you compliment, you know, femininity. femininity or whatever however you say that (laughs) if you compliment the feminist side of the spectrum there may be some men that be inclined to have their reflex response be defensive and vice versa if you say or highlight qualities about masculinity you could just be called toxic for that right and recognizing something as good just because it's not you doesn't mean that i'm hating on you yeah you know what I'm saying? I think I do think, especially
1: culturally, that's a problem
2: because we, we I think that can be subconsciously just brought to the table without right. even thinking about it.
1: Yeah. So the only two that are going to be disqualified would be like hard complementarianism and and secular feminism. So by by that statement, right? Yeah. Those are going to be the the, the two that fall into that category where any any compliment of the other side is viewed as like an attack on. Yeah. And and. I don't think that's true. So, like, kick, kicking into this discussion, um, this is a pretty, like, I mean, prevalent issue yeah, today.
0: It's really probably the hot topic right there's, now.
1: There are, there's a lot of, quote-unquote, like, women pastors. And that kind of comes to the, the root of this conversation is that is is a woman being a pastor a biblical thing? I would say no. Okay, so first, I think that this conversation, and I'm not trying to disparage your answer, I think that we need to define
0: terms. Yes. Sure. That's what, sorry to interrupt you. That is a lot of the issue with this issue is that the thing is, a lot of the terms here are not defined, and a lot of it is semantics. So when somebody, you know, I've heard, you know, people like to say, like, you know, I don't believe that let's let's let me give you this statement. I don't believe that women can preach. I don't believe or let me say it like this I don't believe a woman- a woman can be a preacher some would you know some might agree disagree whatever that's not the point right now. My point is we need to define that because that can be a vague term yeah, right yep what does that actually mean to say I don't believe a woman can be a preacher is that a biblical statement? Let's start there
1: so Okay, can a woman be a preacher? My viewpoint is going to be yes. Yeah, I I just
2: to this you'll you'll probably want to expound on this. I just googled the what does the word preach mean? To deliver a sermon or religious address to an assembled group of people, typically in church. He preached to a large congregation. I would say in that case, yeah.
0: So so the thing is there though, you know, I would like to say like ministry and preaching our yeah, I will say our twenty first century view on these things, those words are not just only in church. They're not meant to only be used in church. Like um like ministry is not just something that takes place sure. in a church building. Preaching is not something that ought to just take place in a sure. church building. And if we were to say by that definition, biblically, and we will we will get into the scripture, we'll make sure to use the scripture, but you know, as far as that I don't think there's any stance that women cannot preach or be a preacher. Well,
1: I don't have to go any further really than the Great Commission, right? Right, yeah. Well, Jesus is addressing, what, 500 people? Certainly a mixed crowd, too, in that 500 people. Sure. Where he says, you will go into the world, preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I think that if we're going to define that term the way that verse does, Women are definitely included in that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not only can they, but they absolutely should. But you're responsible. It's dude. like a command from Jesus and not a loose one. It's the last thing that he had to say before he leaves the earth is like, hey, be sure you go and do this. So like if preaching, I'm going to say yes. Sure. So getting down to the heart of this issue, and uh, one of you guys will have to help me with the address, but there, there's a Pauline verse that says that I would have, or I wouldn't have a woman, right, to usurp,
0: usurp authority over a man. Well, let me read the whole thing. Just Go ahead and read it. it. First Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Actually, I'll read all the way to 14. Let a woman learn quietly. This is the ESV. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet for Adam was fir- formed first then Eve and Adam was not deceived but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Hmm. So that is the whole entire verse like that that is the that is really what the debate is over and what that is what that means and what he means by that. So
1: I'm going to say that first of all the context of that is is a, a letter to Timothy. So Paul yes. is he is addressing a, a solemn assembly Right? It's the gathering. It is yes, the ecclesia. By this time, it wasn't just house churches anymore. You were actually having gatherings. <clears throat> this is, so I would say, like, this is a certain setting. This is not talking about women not being able to share the gospel with people. This is not talking about, uh, you know, a woman sharing Jesus with a man. This is talking about authority in the church. Right. Um, that being said, there are things, and I think this is an important point, you have, you have things in Scripture that are descriptive or maybe even opinions in Scripture, and you have things that are prescriptive, right? Right. Prescriptive. So I would say that Paul's statement here, I would say, is actually binding. I would say that Paul is operating, he's writing this through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that what he says is profitable for reproof. It's profitable. It, it, it is a, a diagram for how church service should be run.
0: Now, and I would like to point out, there's a lot of, there are a lot of arguments about, you know, maybe it's, like you said, not something he's commanding. Maybe it's a culture type. What would you say if I said, well, that's just the culture he lives in. That is just, like, what. what is your guys' actual answer to that? And I would like to give mine too, but.
2: I I would say, you know, in, in response to that, if the the statement was made, well, that's just a a cultural patriarchy thing of that day. You know, I would say, like, okay, well, I mean, first we would need to talk about which culture that is. Sure, you know, yes, because you're Greek, <laughs> you're living in a, in a Greek place, a multicultural you know. area, really. But th- this brings up, you know, maybe we, uh, maybe a conversation for another time, but. The church at this point in time is predominantly Jewish, and for a lot of us here in the West today, we ask the question: How do how do these Jews fit into a Christian faith? But that that problem was flipped on its head in the early church. How do these Gentiles belong in this right. Jewish faith? Right. Where do they fit in? And that's Paul literally writes an entire book describing what that process looks like to the Romans. Yes. Right. So I, I say that to say that. God's prescribed culture, which is the one we're talking about. And these epistles are laying out a a new cultural foundation for the ecclesia of God's people. And it's it's roots are in the Old Testament. But I would say that I mean, is it a cultural thing for the day? Yes, but that culture has not ceased. Right. Those those blocks were laid for the church as a permanent thing until we're all um, bodily regenerated and Jesus comes and consummates the kingdom. So, I mean, for our culture, yeah. I mean, but God established that and it's not, you know, (laughs) not something I, I think that we should seek to undo just because the modern pull or the modern trend rocks in the other direction.
0: Well, I would also like to point out, like you said, you know, part of what these epistles do is create a church culture, and I think we ought not be bent by that, but also, I'm sorry, bent by the culture moving today. Right. Our church culture ought the- not be. But, um, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Paul does say, and he uses this reasoning, and I think there are some things we could maybe say could be cultural or whatever. That's a topic for another day, but. Paul says, "For Adam was formed first, then Eve," and I think the significance of that is, you know, Paul's using Genesis as an example. Like yeah. Paul is using Scripture as an example for what he is saying. So I I don't think it's something that changes
2: pre-fall too.
0: Yeah. You know, yes. you've got
2: yes that that
0: side of the aisle
2: that would say like, well, you know, as a result of the curse, that's why X Y Z was established. I'd I'd kick back against that, and I and I think you know my my caveat is everything that God has laid out in Scripture. I mean, look at the whole series that we're taking a break from, the Snake Crusher, where we are several books into the New Testament or to the Old Testament. Right, we've we've completed the Torah. We're we've started into the Writings and the Prophets. We're almost about to jump into Second Samuel, and and in that, if we haven't learned anything else, it's that God will use the lives of ordinary people from millennia to paint a portrait. Like, God is, God is fleshing out a, a picture. He's establishing every brushstroke is important. And, and we don't get mm. to go back to those brushstrokes and, and erase and redesign God's portrait one, that's not wise. Two, Scripture has never extended to us the authority or the invitation to do that. That's good. If if God has set something up in a certain way, it is for a reason. And the, I think it's in Proverbs it says that it is the heart of God to conceal a matter and in the heart of the king to search that matter out. You know, when we look at Scripture, it is it is for, I know, Eastern culture has sort of hijacked this, but it's for meditation and application. I I deeply ponder on this as it commands in Deuteronomy. I talk about it with my children. I deeply think on these things. I allow the Holy Spirit to teach me what he is setting up and why he is doing it so that I can learn how I should be obedient to him in that. Sure. And and then let that be my guide.
1: So I think that like it's important now to define... Like, when we're talking about, like, prescriptions, right, but in Scripture for this topic, what are we talking about? So, you have places in Titus, right, and in Timothy, where there are certain um, qualifications right. for certain offices, right? And specifically, I think, in Timothy, Timothy and Titus, both, it's mainly down to three. You have pastor or shepherd— Elder, or overseer, and deacon. Right, um, and and the qualifications. Um, I don't know, Creek. Do you have the scripture pulled up on that? No, oh, I can. Yes. Give um, if you want to go ahead and, and pull that up and read it, but the, but the qualifications are. pretty strict, right? I mean, they they seem to be pretty. Uh, concrete.
0: Right. This, you know, just to, before I read it, you know, it's hard to be a male pastor. Like the, the. It disqualifies a lot of people. Right. I think most people, even in the church, just to be honest, are disqualified from being. I confused. would
1: say that it, it did qualify, <coughs> disqualifies at least two of the three people in this room. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober minded, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone can't manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. So Yeah. And it all act a little more, their wives likewise must be dignified not slenderers but sober-minded faithful in all things that was I skipped ahead a little bit but that's a good point too is like you're in Timothy now right yes first Timothy 3 yeah.
1: so i think that, that's good creek thank you for reading that this this and i, I understand that there is a little bit of relativity a lot of these okay so what is drunkenness what, what is yes. what is a slanderer what you know, is how a, many times do you have to slander before you're a slanderer right? what's a new convert what's a recent convert is that six weeks is that 60 years I mean you know, you have to define a lot of those and I'm not saying that it's a perfect practice in which we do that
0: I think sometimes it just does change a little bit I think some of it is subjective to the church like you know I like at least with the new convert thing like what if it's a new church you know and everyone's less than a year old does that mean one month? What does that mean? I, and I'm not saying I know, but I will say that. Common sense, I think, right? right? We right. Can say
1: that some common sense has to be applied, but, like, so when it says, like, don't be a drunkard or, like, be a husband of one wife. Yes. There's only one of those that this conversation likes to change. Right? When we're talking about the qualifications for an elder, specifically in this case, or a pastor, no one wants to change the, well, don't be a drunkard. Everyone is like, yeah, if you're a drunk, you shouldn't lead a church. That's, that's like pretty like elementary. The only yeah. one that people really want to change is husband of one wife. And this is going to probably get a little bit offensive, but straight up, they don't just want to change it from husband of one wife to man of, or wife of one husband. Right. A right. lot of men want to change it to, well, it wasn't my fault in the divorce, and so I'm still qualified
0: and I and we have to talk about that. Right. I think it's something that like I can't even really I don't think many people can give you a super concrete answer, but I think it's worth discussing.
2: Well, th- this doesn't talk to the point that you brought up, but in the reading of that scripture about what it requires from uh from a pastor, the qualifications for a pastor, um the, the thing that came to mind is like um that throughout the structure of the Bible, there's like, uh, there's the micro and the macro. And, you know, Jesus and in some of his parables will say something like, well, he that is faithful with little will be faithful with many. Yeah. Right. But the the grounds for being trusted with much is being successfully trusted with little. And I, at least the, the the picture or the portrait that I see, and maybe this is just, you know, Just kind of the way that my brain works um, is first God gives you your own family and based on the way that that is stewarded, largely it is uh, going into how you are or are not qualified to steward his family and leadership in his family. If you rule your own children well, if you rule in your own household and your own wife well, if you are... A, a respected and loving leader, um, then you'll you'll do you'll do good. And if you're not, if if that's not, if that leadership is not something that's already being walked out in your family, well, then why would God entrust his his larger, the macro version of that into your hands?
0: It also says <clears throat> able to teach. Yeah, I think that's an important thing. I think that level of gifting there. Yes. And I think that, right, exactly, and it's just a gift that some don't have, and that's it. And, and Sorry, go ahead. Well, something I just want to point out, you know, on this topic, like, you know, let's say there is a woman lead pastor, like if you have, you know, a man or a boy stumble into that place and, and there's a female lead, I think that, you know, and let's be honest, A lot of the times that's not going to be effective on a male. I don't think that a female preaching, a female lead pastors is attractive to a male. And I'm not saying that our church just needs to be attractive to everyone. But I am saying that it's worth noting that, yeah, a female lead is not something that is going to lead men. In fact, our church already has, the church in general is already mostly females, And if we have female leads, female everything, it's not going to attract more males. This is Creek with At The Table Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, give us a rating, review, and share our podcast with a friend. If you'd like to contact us, email us at at atthetablepodcastmail at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's get back into the show.
1: Yeah, so I think that we've kind of established that some of this stuff is a little bit subjective, right? It's a little bit open to interpretation. Now, I think that I'm going to give my view and I'm going to give why. And if you guys want to play the devil's advocate, feel free. But afterwards, after we've kind of discussed what what our view is, I think that it's important not to be the echo chamber that Creek talked about. And we're gonna talk about some examples that are often thrown up, right, to I guess throw a wrench in that to and I'm I'm not trying to be disingenuous, but there there are certain examples in scripture that are often thrown as like gotchas, right? And so, I guess first of all, when we talk about the the roles of leadership in the church, we understand that Christ is the leader of the church. Right. No one disagrees with that, and if you do, you're not a Christian. So, I mean, that's one of the that's one of the deal breakers. Christ is the head of the church. He is the groom. We are all the bride. It doesn't matter if you're male, female. If you are included in the body of Christ, you are married to Christ, you are the bride of Christ, and thus you are submitted to Christ. That is an important thing to say, because what this is going to come down to for me is an argument of headship. God created a system of headship. He did it in Genesis, and I'm going to use the same argument that Jesus did whenever he's talking about divorce, and it's the same argument that Paul used. I'm going to go to in the beginning, right? In the beginning God created man and woman. Mm-hmm. And now man and woman are to become one flesh. But there's clearly an authoritative There's clearly an authoritative system put here where it is God over man, man over woman, woman over children. Yeah. It's headship. It has a lot more to do with responsibility than it does authority. But I would argue that you don't get one without
0: the other, right? Um, <clears throat> something I'd like to point out about that is First Corinthians eleven seven. It says this: For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. We remember, you know, in the Torah, it talks about like the holy of holies. And that is the language that is actually being used here is that if man is the glory of God and woman, the glory of man, that means the woman is the glory of glories. And I'd like to point out that what I'm saying here is submissiveness does not mean lesser value. And it does not mean that. And and again, like John pointed out earlier, like feminism Came from men being abusive. Because men were abusive a lot. Like a lot of men were very abusive in that time. And I would just like to point out. Before we go on. That this does not mean. That women are to be treated. As less. Because I believe that Paul is saying. They are the glory of glory. They're very important. They're sacred. And it's something that. You know. In this conversation. People I think do forget. Especially the. You know, the far right side, I would say, likes to forget that.
2: Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think, you know, my my opinion, because I I think that was the the idea. I guess based upon the terms that you used at the beginning, I would probably fall somewhere on the complementarianism spectrum. I I would like to give the caveat that. I don't try to make scripture get close to my view. I try to make my view what scripture says. That's and, and my that's the only <clears throat> the only dog I got in the fight is try to try to read the whole of what scripture says, the micro and the macro, and then pattern whatever belief system I have after that mark. And I I do believe in headship. I'm not I'm not a bit ashamed or shy about that. Um, God has commanded me. It is not an option for me. God has commanded me to be the steward of my household. He lays that responsibility at my feet, and his spirit empowers me to do that job. So I don't, I don't get to shy away from that, <clears throat> nor do I get to delegate that responsibility to my wife or to anybody else. It's my charge. I've got to do that. That's what Scripture says. And like you said, you know, hearkening back to what Jesus said about divorce, they said, well, Moses said we could— we could do this. And he's like, yeah, that's because of the hardness of your heart. Yeah. Right. right. So it, it, <laughs> but in the beginning it was not so right. And, and this thing that, you know, that we've talked about even throughout the course of our series is the idea that God's plan, what Genesis three fifteen really is, is a return to Eden. Yeah. It's a reconsummation of Eden. It's a return to the beginning. Let's, Hey, you remember what it was like, when there was paradise and there was no chaos, there was no lack, there was no sin, there was no evil, there was no injustice, we're 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 gunning back for that direction. Messiah is going to take you there. And so I do think that it's important to to hearken back to the beginning because to an extent that's, you're seeing the end from the beginning, right? And, and he even says that in Isaiah, I'm the Lord, your God, there is none that's like me. I declare the end from the beginning and it's sort of the The rest of what I would describe in that complementarianism is, even though God has empowered me to be the head of of my household, like I I do I subscribe to the complementarianism view it, at least in part. I don't know. I'm not familiar. These terms are pretty new to me. I just heard it yesterday. To be real, <laughs> so I I don't know enough about it to just throw my name behind it. But as far as just what the word complimentary means, I would say my wife has been a 1,000% designed to be complimentary, not just to me, but to the task at whole that our household has been assigned. Right. And and that's the point for me. It's not where do you fit in in my plan? How do I subjugate you to my plan? Because I am a bride too. Yeah, And I am that's sum- point. I am Demi- submitted to Christ too and i'm trying to listen to what i'm being told to do and and carry that out and image that out and and in that way you and i are alike and in the same way our children will more than likely listen now granted some people both spouses work and they're not at home you know i, I would i would argue that probably the more traditional um view is is what the text is used to is is used yeah. to you know, women being at home and the men being gone. Not that women didn't work, of course. A Proverbs thirty one is a hard worker that plants a vineyard and does all those things. So it doesn't it doesn't exclude those. Um, but I, I do think that the the complementary thing is important to to note it that, that I I couldn't I couldn't be one without the other one being there. And for what it for what it's worth. The focus can be a lot of the times, like you said, you know, it's not just hard. It's not just easy to be a man pastor, right? The, the, the qualifications that God requires of the head, right? We're reading um, in the Old Testament right now. So often, if the leader is bad or there's a lack of good leadership, the first book that pops to my mind is Judges, and that was a wreck. Yeah. That was an absolute wreck. And there's even a passage in Judges where we have sort of tailwind in my point, you know, where Deborah steps up as a lead because there is none, and she tries to defer to Barak, if, if I'm remembering his name right, more than once, and he he pretty well refuses to do what he's supposed to do. To right. Yeah, and she writes an entire—I mean, it's in Scripture. There's an entire song literally shaming this dude in the nation of Israel for that. So I, w- I would say— uh, you know, I'm
1: I'm complimentary. I'm going to say that this this is the case, and this may get me in trouble, and I'll take the heat. My wife already knows and agrees with where I stand. So, the only heat that matters to me, I'm not going to receive. <clears throat> the Bible's pretty clear about headship. It's from one end to the other. It, um, you're not going to to retranslate it in another way. Headship is given to a man. Um, a woman is told multiple places while a a wife should or a husband should love his his wife, sacrificially, even so much as that Jesus gave his life for the church. So this isn't like, this isn't like, oh, I want to be sweet to you. No, this is like, I'm going to sacrifice every part of me so that you can benefit. I want to be clear about that. Because this call to headship is not a call to the penthouse suite where you get to rule over the top of, that's, that's not what this call is. What did Jesus say? If you want to be first, you have to be a servant to all. That's the call of headship. But I will say this. The command to a woman is submit yourself, right? Respect your husband. Those are the calls to a woman. And we don't get to to whitewash that because while you're called to submit to me, I'm called to submit to God, right? Right. And if you're submitting to me and I'm submitting to God, that means you are submitting to God. And in in that way, headship plays itself out in images the macro. You talked about the micro versus the macro. We talk about the family versus the church, and in, in the church it's the same way. We, when we play these roles, we've talked about this through the Snake Crusher series, right? God institutes these things to be prophetic. And, and when, we play, when we submit to the roles that God has given us, it images something on the macro, right? So the wife submits to the husband, the husband submits to God. The macro in that is the submission of man to God. And we get to play that out in the family and in the family structure. The problem in the church is we like to kind of divorce those two things from one another. And we're talking about, and we've kind of went a long way around the tree to, to get to this point. Can women be head pastors? Can a woman be in authority over a man? Can a woman stand in that place where she is the end-all authority in a church? Not biblically, no. I'm mean, going to have to say no. Why? Why? Why can't a woman? Because it messes with the image. A woman can no more be in authority, in headship over a man than I can be headship over Christ. If I try to put my wagon in front of, of Christ, I'm not going anywhere. He's and, not having it. And it's the opposite in verse that's a problem too. Like, you know, this
2: touches the transgender in something. But it, it is shameful for a man not to be a man. Yeah. I, I distort the image when, when I leave my role
0: to try to take yours too. Yeah. The inverse is just as bad. And prevalent, honestly. Something I'd like to point out too, you know. And you know, I'm not one of those call out dudes. I don't wanna be that that way. But I and don't think that this is a license to jump on anybody's back either. But, you know, the culture, the um I guess the place that we come from, Assemblies of God, you know, a lot I hear now is, you know, pastor's not a gendered term. And, you know, I understand that it is It is easier. It would have been easier for me to just say, yeah, I think, you know, whatever. Women can be whatever they want. We can all be. That's easier to say. Sure. That's easier to think because sure. you just, you know. It's not offensive. Nobody's on your back about it. But I think, you know, the word's clear. Like, women ought not have authority over a man. And I think that's very clear in the narrative.
1: So I've written down on my paper a few roles. And Dalton, I'm going to turn it over to you in just a second. I didn't write down the fivefold ministries. I just wrote a couple. But we're given some roles in Scripture. We're given pastor, deacon, elder, right, prophet. We're given the, these minute, apostle. The fivefold ministries, right? We're given these ministries. We've talked a, a lot about what a woman can't do, right? Yeah. A woman cannot be a head pastor, right? I'm, that's for me is a, that's a a dead giveaway. I would say for scripture, it's a dead giveaway. I would too. say that a woman can't be an elder. An elder is an overseer of the church. Once again, this is the accountability board for a pastor. This should be run just like Titus and Timothy says: a group of men who are faithful, who are sober, who are filled with the spirit, who are a husband of one wife, all of these things. And I think that if you were to be honest with yourself, like that is the ideal leader, someone who has all of those, Yeah. you know, but so pastor to me, head pastor at least, senior pastor, I'm going to say no go. Um, Elder, I'm going to say no go. Apostle, let's define that term. So the New Testament defines an apostle, not a capital A apostle, right? We're not talking about that. We're not talking about one of the 12 disciples plus Paul. But a a lowercase a apostle, a sent one, a church planner. I'm going to say that's off limits too. Because to be a church planner, you have to be a pastor. You have to be in authority. You have to be in in direct leadership under God. And I'm going to say that that is a no-go. So, we've talked about three categories that a woman cannot serve in biblically. But what can a woman do? I think that's a good question. Yeah. We've talked a lot about what a woman can't do, what what is off limits. But what I don't want this to be is like, get underneath the thumb. This is what, you know, you're excluded from this. And this to be like this club that is created where men get to (laughs) to lord that over women. Because women are an integral part of the church. And they were an integral part of Jesus's ministry. And there's been times all over Scripture where a man wouldn't step up and God
0: used a woman. I don't want to make it sound like we have the same authority that Christ has, but I do want to say this. Like, we are the hands and feet of Christ. And I think there's a lot of times where my wife plays my hands and feet as well. Like, you know, we'll have your classic altar call example where there's a woman who I believe needs prayer. That's a very good point. But I... I'm not, I'm personally not going to go just pray for a woman, especially when I don't know alone, you know, there's certain contexts, obviously, you know, not
1: not even just for like the idea of like, oh, I might, you know, appear to be evil in this way or that way, but also in the context of like, I'm not a woman and I don't understand what you're going through.
0: And so that's where it comes in very useful to say to my wife, Hey, can you, it's it's amazing, dude. Like, hey, can you please go pray for that person? I'll even go with you in some cases, but I can't A, I can't relate. B, I don't want to appear evil. C, I mean, you know, there are certain contexts where it's just unwise, like maybe the woman would feel kind of weird, like, you know, we yeah. don't we don't want to ostracize people. So my wife can be a useful tool as in my hands and feet to do that.
2: It's a, it's a great point to say like that qualification and in, in, in that way um is connected to design. Yeah. Right. And the way that your wife is designed as a woman by default makes you makes her more qualified to do one on
1: one ministry with a woman than right. you. Right.
0: I and, would just say straight up unwise to do ministry with a woman one on one.
1: Yeah. That that's the that's the heart of complementarianism.
2: Right. And and that that would be something i i would i think i would try to contribute for sake of argument it's just that for for ladies like there there are in god's design there are there are things that they play an integral role in i mean like one of the first things that comes to mind is philippians whenever you know paul's writing this letter to the philippian church who for the most part he really doesn't have a whole lot bad to say about and that's one of the few letters where Paul was writing to a, to an established New Testament church, and he's not just riddling it with correction. Right. You know, I mean, like, the letters of Corinthians are, that's a lot of papyrus that that dude was going in. <laughs> right. But for Philippi, you know, one of the things that he says is he implores two women, Yodia and Syntyche, to agree together in the Lord. Because you, what what we have, basically, without reading any commentaries, doing any early church history searching, you know, um, just sort of taking the text at face value. There's two women in the church that seem to be very influential. Paul doesn't name very many people at all by name, and when he does, it's important. It's a reason. They are, for the most part, people in leadership like Timothy or Titus or right. Luke or people that are doing ministry with him or people that are already there or people that have done like really, really bad. Yeah, If you, you make the list, yeah. you're either really good or you're you are really, really, really bad. Really bad. Exactly. <laughs> and, and these two women seem to be very, very influential in this church. And right. Paul is, is speaking to them about division. And he says, I plead with you to agree together in the Lord. And then he urges the rest of them. Like, you know, help these two who have labored with me in the gospel. Right. And, and, and that way you see like Paul deferred to them that honor, you know, and he says like, yo, you're a, you're a laborer in the gospel.
0: Right. You are a
2: laborer in the gospel and you're influential and your fallout. is causing enough backlash. I mean, the chapters and numbers and verses were assigned much, much later. Right. Right. This is a letter, but, I think it's within what the second or third chapter of this letter, um, out of a four chapter letter, so it's pretty small. Paul mentions both of them by name, and th- and this isn't the only time in Scripture where the women are are mentioned yes. in pivotal roles, right? You have Lydia, who, yeah, um, whenever I think that's Acts sixteen, I I could be wrong on the address there. Please don't sell me for it, but um, you know she hears Paul preaching. She was already a believer in God, right? But she hears Paul, you know, Paul's preaching. I believe she gets saved. She gets baptized. And then she says, hey, come to my house. And you know what you see her doing? She's like, if you have found me worthy and as, as a follower of Christ, come to my house. And she takes care of them. She ministers to the, like giving them food, making sure that they're fed, making sure that they're taken care of. And I, and I think that you'll find that those nurturing aspects come in a sense natural to a woman, right? It, I know for, for my wife, like, you know, it, in a good headship model, let me just put it this way. Take the analogy of the body. There's nothing that my brain tells my hand to do that's not beneficial for it. Yeah. Or f- for even my feet for the most part or any other part of my body. It's for the benefit of the whole organism as a whole. Now, in good headship right, right. right some people some people don't guide <laughs> guide their parts very well, but in a in a good headship model that's it's not going to it's not going to be detrimental to you but, in fact it's it's a good thing you know and in Christ, I recognize that you know what what he delegates to to me what the head passes down to me is a good thing, and it's not just for the benefit of christ but it's for the benefit of the church as a whole right and those those ways you know one of those ways in which i think you know women have a place in ministry i i would say is alongside men in that way you know like i know for me uh i've been single and i've been married i wasn't half the man that i am now right in ministry without my wife yeah, and if my wife was not there to play the role behind, especially behind closed doors, of being someone that levied not just encouragement but criticism
1: and accountability,
2: and accountability,
1: yeah,
2: and advice, and instruction, and instruction, wisdom. A lot of the times, like thinking administratively, isn't always my gift, even though that is my calling. Right. So i'm I'm going to I'm going to seek your input, right? And and a lot of the times, God has graced. Her to be that for me, so I think that's one that's one aspect in in which women cannot cannot possibly be needed more <laughs> is yeah. is those those kind of supportive roles
0: yeah well, you know <clears throat> just to reiterate just kind of landing this plane, you know um women women's role is like we said equally important and i think it's a good point that you wouldn't be half the man you were without your wife because i'm the same way literally um and there's so many things that i can now do that i now have because of god's design in my wife to compliment me and i think like you know we often maybe even subconsciously forget like that you know God's design is for a reason and it's yeah. not just to command you to do things for kicks and giggles. Like it's sure. it's there's a deep reasoning behind everything that the Lord says. Yeah. And I think
1: in most cases, like this this is evident not just in scripture, but but God has made this evident in nature. Right? In the nature of a man versus the nature of a woman. I don't think that you get much more of a stark example than me and my wife. Yeah. Right? I'm 6'4", 260 pounds. Like, if you've got to – my wife, she might be 5'2", 5'3". If you got to pick one of us to go out in front, you know, whether it's danger, whether it's, you know, whatever, nature chooses me. Yeah. Why? Because God has built me for punishment. God has built me for a load. God has built me for all of those things, Right. Nature cries out and says this. it's just the way that it is, whereas like the nature of my wife, the nature of a woman what is it what is it? It's nurturing right? She has a nature that is that is motherly she has a nature that is to to take care like and I've said this before, and I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I don't know God spoke to me this mother's day right uh, it's been two months ago now I think we were we all went out to lunch we were all sitting there and like for we were at a Mexican restaurant and like they bring out a little cheesecake, right? For the, for the mothers, right? It's just like a little freebie that they give you. Um, and they bring out this little piece of cheesecake. And I'm in the middle of talking, and I just kind of turned and looked. And my wife divides this. We have five children. Only four of them were present at this dinner. She divides this dinner into, or this little cheesecake into four pieces and gives them to our four children, not t- keeping one for herself. On Father's Day, I mean the cheesecake Playboy. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it just is what it is. That's just that I'm not built to think like that. And I'm not saying that I shouldn't think like that. I'm think, I'm saying that that's why God gave me a wife. God gave me a wife to teach me how to think like that because he didn't design me to think like that. God designed me to be the one who's like take, go, get, fight, move, you know, shuck. Be the one who pushes the line. That's how God built me. That's how I've I've lived my life and God in this complementary system that we're talking about has designed a second part of this, right, of the one flesh, to temper all the things in me that need tempering and to grow all the things in me that it's no more apparent than the commands between a husband and a wife. Sure. Wives respect your husbands, right? That that's something that doesn't come naturally because we can be idiots, right? Yeah. That, and that's, it's hard to respect an idiot. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> men recognize that amongst men. Right. If you have a boss that's a total idiot, just a you bone. don't want to respect him, yeah. but God commands you yeah. to. If you have a pastor who makes a bonehead move, it's hard to respect that, but God commands you to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're, still, you're still called to do that. Respect come nat- comes naturally for me. There are certain things that I'm not going to do because you're going to hit me in the mouth right there's there's a level of respect that is just natural for men it's not natural for women yeah but god tells that woman submit to your husband right love man love your wife love doesn't come naturally to me like that yeah it kind of reminds
2: me of like like marriage you you get your ring when the the vows are being pronounced and I weren't are we're landing this plane so I'll keep I'll keep it short but you you become a husband in that moment Really, by grace, you'll spend the rest of your life becoming that. Yeah, you know, and and learning what that means. And I I love what you said because I know, you know, even for this podcast, like one of the roles that I play is like, you know, script writing, and you know, we I, I I take you know ideas home. I consult with my wife about these things. I mean, for multiple reasons. One, she's got a bachelor's in biblical literature and theological research. She's by far, at least on paper, the most qualified scholar out of the entire group. Um, and, and now, how much we know outside of that's a different conversation. But especially between me and her, let me say that she's definitely more qualified than me. Um, knows knows much more. Influences and levies ideas. Influences and levies structure. Like, if and and accountability. Hey, don't you need to do this? Hey, remember that you've committed yourself to go do this, <laughs> and that that is oftentimes something that that is as men the the crucial mistake is made of interpreting that as a nagging, when it's it's helping you because you are prone to forget, you are prone to not follow through.
1: You're prone to overcommit. Yeah,
2: you're prone to overcommit. You're prone to go push that line until you've got nothing left. Yeah, you know. But the the first and foremost ministry again you know, that's good. Are you bring in that home to your family, Yeah. you know, and I, I know for me that that's one area and I could come up with dozens. I mean, not just the way that she keeps the home, but I think about this often and I hope that I tell her this often enough. I mean, when I think of my wife, I think of genuinely like so many aspects of a Proverbs 31 woman, how it says that she wakes up early and, you know, is, is preparing garments. And whenever she, she makes money and profit from it. She goes and considers a vineyard and buys it and, you know, sells this and this to make such a profit. I've got my wife at home crafting. Uh, I shouldn't say I've got. She's, she's so nifty. She's, like, crafting leatherwork and doing custom stuff so that's doing well enough. She was able, by God's grace, to quit being a mortgage loan
1: processor
2: to do that full time.
1: My wife literally lays out my clothes.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: honestly, yeah. <laughs> she I, picks out my outfits, dude. Same. For real. Yeah, I mean, there's <sighs> so many,
2: so many aspects of day to day life, even in encouragement. I I know for me, if I if I if I get vulnerable, and I'm like, I'm feeling like an ounce of butter scraped over three loaves of bread right now. Yeah, and I'm running out of steam. If I can count on one person in my corner to say. You're a good man, and you're doing a good job, and I respect you for that. It's my wife. Yeah. And nothing makes me, funny enough, want to strive towards that mark more yeah, than when I hear that.
1: I'm like a dog, dude. Yeah. You give me that affirmation, a little pat on the head, and I man, just. I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so. I, I think that in landing this plane, we've, we've talked about, that's you know, landing two. Yeah. That's
0: landing three, but well, hey. no,
1: you you did landing one. Mm-hmm. This is technically landing let's two, landing so if two. we feel the need for a third one, we can. Don't be cutting the Pentecostal. I'm not mad. <laughs> so we've talked about what women can't do. And we, we we left that with head pastor. We left that with elder um and apostle. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about roles in the church that a woman can fulfill. I'm going to say teacher, right? a teacher, and I think that your wife is a really good example of this. Savannah, sorry to dox you, Aunt Anna, but Savannah is a very gifted orator. She's a very gifted yeah. teacher. She's a very gifted speaker. And I think that like, the, her submission to, to Scripture in this is like, it's a beautiful picture because whenever I think of someone who can, a woman that can preach, Savannah can preach.
2: Yeah, she can.
1: She absolutely can, and I've heard her preach, I've heard her preach to women, I've heard her preach to men and it was good. I am going to say from my view, and feel free to disagree with me, a woman can be a preacher. Yeah. A woman can be a teacher. Those are things a woman can do. Especially when you know that she is a biblical woman. Just like a man, if he's gonna be a pastor, if he's gonna be a, you know, he's gotta be submitted to Jesus, you can't have a pastor. You know, there's a lot of people who claim that role out here that ain't pastors. Right. And I don't mind naming names. Joel Osteen, you're not a pastor. Yeah. You yeah. just aren't. Kenneth Copeland, you're not a pastor. No way. You're no. a thief and a liar. Yeah. You have to be submitted to Jesus. You have to be faithful. You have to be a good steward of your home. You have to be all these things or you're not a pastor. And and if there's one thing that Paul, he he complimented a church on, it was seeking out false prophets and false teachers and He complimented them on that, and we should do that more. Jesus did in Revelation, too. Yeah, absolutely. So can a woman preach? Yes, I think so. I think not only can they, I think they're commanded to, not just to to people, to individuals, Mm. but I think that where there is that gift of teaching, right? You talked about that, Creek, and I think that was good. Where there is that gift of teaching, use that gift that God has given you. Don't be someone who buries a talent. Yeah. Now, use that in submission to Jesus, Right. And in submission to your husband, if you're married, do that. But
2: I think the computer just said,
1: amen. Some, yeah, (laughs) something did Bill (laughs) Gates, something did getting shouted down by windows or something. But (laughs) so teacher, right. Preacher. I will even go so far as to say deacon. And this depends on how we define this term. Right. Right. (laughs) I know that this is controversial in our church. A deacon and an elder is the same thing. Right. In our church, we reserve that for men. We only have male deacons. And we are part of a denomination who is a little bit loose with a lot of these roles. Right. But they have at least defined elder and deacon. They, they combine those roles. I don't personally do that, but our church does. And they've reserved that role for men. Yeah. I will say, if you're going to define deacon as a servant of the body, a woman can fulfill that role. Because everyone yeah. should, right? A spirit-filled, you know, servant who is going to go and serve the body. That's not a position typically of leadership. Even the leadership is servitude too.
2: Yeah, one one of the first roles I think of is like um, Shonda in the missions department. Sure. Like how you know it, Stephen was chosen as a deacon, and part of part of the roles outlined of, of a deacon was, hey, you're going to make sure that the poor get fed. You're going to make sure like. All of these attention to detail yeah. things, we're going to go do this, and you're going to do this, and and I, you know, honestly, all three of our wives, you know, and and Shonda, my mother-in-law is, as well, the she's pastor's a, wife, she's yeah, on the impact team, yeah, exactly. Right,
1: they're going out and serving the the people in the community that are, that is beautiful. They absolutely shine in that role, too. and they should. Yeah, they thrive. In, in fact, that. they do a lot better job than I would do in that role. Oh man. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> I, I have to have attention first to give detail. Man. Give to detail. And
1: that, <laughs> I'm flawed. Yeah. Uh, so I think that if we're going to define deacon in that way, then I'm going to say that a woman couldn't fulfill that role.
2: And I think especially if we're going to have like
1: children's church. Yeah. I cannot yes. think of a better person for that kind of role. I mean. I can't think of anyone more designed for that yes. role. Because when we're talking about like if we want to get biblical, biblical qualifications, Second Timothy says that a woman should be you know, a homemaker, she should be raising, the, keeping the home. She should be raising the children. And when it comes to the church, like, I'm not going to take someone that's a man, right, who's designed way differently, not nurturing, not in all those, and then put them in charge of the children of all the church. Because right. if you put me in charge of all your children, I'm going to beat them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I would even say, like, idiotic. I don't know, I'm halfway
1: joking, but y'all oh, know me. Right. And, you yeah. know, I have five children, and my five know. children toe the line for a reason.
0: I don't even think like. I don't even know that it's always wise, just to be honest, for a man to be, at least alone in a children's church setting. Like I don't, I wouldn't do that.
1: Well, I'm not gonna say there's no man that, that is right. I there. don't want to say that. I'm just that, gonna say that like a woman. It, it, much like right. I'm not gonna send my wife out to lead battle, right? Right.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: I'm just not gonna do that. I think that in that specific role, there's no one more designed for that than someone who God is biologically designed to bear children. Not just birth them, but bear them. Right? To nurture them from from yeah infant you know from an infant to an adult. You do for nine months before I ever see their face. Yeah. Dude, I cannot there are so many women in our church. And one of them I think of is Miss Katie mm. who is a mother She's everyone's mom. Dude. Yeah. Right? Karen Sweet. Yes. There are women in this church, in our church specifically, where like you don't just you weren't just a mother to your own children, Georgie. On Georgie, on. yeah. I can't even believe she was number 1 on the list. If you don't give her a hug, you're not saved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. But just but joking. straight up though, like yeah. Tammy. Tammy Wadley. Yes. Wadley. There's another one. Her mom, Susan. Yes. Yeah. These are women who have who have fulfilled their God given role in the church to be mothers and to be teachers, yeah. yeah, to be teachers of women, right? To instruct the younger women how to be a woman. They they fulfilled that role. They're doing it beautifully, and I think that that's wonderful. Yeah, there there is a need for older women to teach younger women, just like there's a need for older men to teach younger men. Yes, because oh my gosh, I you know. Hey, Father's Day just passed. I don't mean to disparage any single mother, but you're not going to teach a man how to be a man like a man will. Right, yeah. You, and, I, and I know that we've got to land this plane we've gone over, but a conversation that I had with my wife one time when it, in regards to discipline to our children is she kind of disagreed with the way I got down. And we had a conversation about it. And, of course, I take her opinion into counsel because I can be, I can be a man, right? But it was in regards to my son's. And one thing that I, that I I told her is, if you if you like the man that I am, understand I know how to raise that man, right? Yeah. My daddy raised that man by God's grace. And by God's grace, I know how to raise that man. What it comes down to, I think, is that God has designed us biologically and spiritually to occupy certain roles. Mm-hmm. And this is a hot-button take, but... God did not design women to be the head of a church.
0: Yeah. Just didn't. I think that's what it comes down to is it's just not in the design.
1: It's, he didn't design a woman to be the head of a family.
0: I, I would argue, you know, like a lot of times, and I think, like I said, if a woman comes up and preached a sermon, I'm not tripping or freaking out. No, but, I've had, I've heard but, some good ones. But I would argue, you know, men are not designed to take counsel from women. Men are not designed, I, I don't <laughs> think so. It depends. Not, not in a okay. Let me clarify. Please not, clarify. Not, that. not in a yeah, church. That was
1: the one that got us uh,
0: canceled right there. Not in a church setting. Like I don't. I, like I said before, I don't think that. I don't, well, I don't think that a man walks into a church where a woman is a lead pastor and has a desire to be led in that setting.
2: I see what you're saying. Okay. I,
0: I think a man ought to take counsel from his wife. Yeah, or okay. maybe even a mother figure, like if if Miss Tammy. You're basically just saying said.
1: that you don't think women should be pastors,
0: right? I feel
1: okay. like that we could edit out like a two minute section. Nah, there. Nah, they'll er- probably
0: they'll probably clip me on that
1: one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I think that we should uh, maybe get ahead of that one.
0: But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if they if they take that out of context, that's on me. Like, I don't think Yo, the
1: women should counsel men,
2: but since we <laughs> don't have like any any like videography. They'll probably just take a picture of you, like, looking off in the distance, like, with a, <laughs> a really a stern look on your face and just have it playing.
0: I don't think men are designed to have a woman as their lead pastor. Yeah, And I think, like, if Tammy Wadley said to me, like, told, gave me some correction on how I'm treating my wife, I am going to take that and take it sacred. Like, oh, okay, she saw something, she means it. Like, mm-hmm. that's the truth. If, even if one of y'all's wives came up to me mad or something and said, like, hey, bro, you're, like, I'm going to listen. That's, yeah. You know, that would be unwise yeah. to not, however, comma, not my pasture. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that should have been a hashtag,
1: a, I, like a hashtag. It sounded like a hashtag. So that's, that's my
0: stance. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think that we've been, like, pretty clear in the fact that we all land in this, like, soft complementarian. Yeah. Right? Like, women design yeah. for things, yes. men design for things, men shouldn't have children. It's equally... It's 2023. Honored. I mean, <laughs> it's sad that I have to say that. But. <clears throat> my my last caveat is
2: like, there's a tragic story that's unfolded all of humanity of people being focused on the one thing that they could not eat out of everything that they could eat. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it has literally unfolded, this this tragic drama of human history. So it has been unraveled as a result from... Focusing on the thing that God says no to <laughs> as opposed yeah. to enjoying all of the things that God says yes to. Right. And I think for men and for women, we need to think less about that thing and look at the perspective roles that God has assigned us and seek to have God teach us to have joy in those and to understand those.
0: That's beautiful.
1: That's, that's good actually, way to, I think that's beautiful. a good way to wrap it
0: up. Yeah. I agree. Well, if we
1: haven't sufficiently um disparaged anybody in the church, um feel free to uh leave Send us a if rating. If you're even still listening. Leave us a rating a review and a like. Um don't worry if we didn't disparage you, we will get to you in a later episode. Golly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Send Trey an uh, email at his personal email, yeah, can... <laughs> ninety two
1: at at dot com. Um No, uh, yeah. I'll leave
0: his address in the um yeah, show in notes. Yeah, the comments. There you
1: yeah, go. Do yeah. that. That's do sick. Well, we appreciate I, it, yeah. Um, I think that this has been our, our first topical episode. Yeah. Um, I, I pray that uh, with God's guidance that we continue to, I don't know, improve, evolve, Yeah. right? I was going to say, too, hey, y'all,
2: please, as we venture into doing more topical episode breaks on top of interviews with ideas, hit our channel with yes. them. Yes. Like, hit our channel with them. Send messages to our Facebook. Leave Notes on 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 your review on Apple Podcasts, or shoot us an email at at the table uh, podcast mail at gmail dot com. Send us your ideas for this stuff, and we we would love to do that. So I mean, yeah. as long as it's not heretical. <laughs> <Doesn't> <laughs> cut away from that.
1: Well, right. uh, I think that that's what's at the table. I didn't now mean, you. I do didn't it. even mean to hit it either. Now you do it, bruh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we
2: need to check the poll on whether or not it's acceptable to eat cheeseburgers at a Mexican restaurant. I wonder what the poll is.
0: That's what's at the table.
2: (laughs) Y'all be blessed in Jesus'
1: name. Godspeed. Take it easy.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of At The Table Podcast. We hope it blessed you and taught you something. And if you enjoyed, leave us a good rating and like us on Facebook. And from all three of us, until next time, thank you and God bless.